G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. We continue our message from Pastor Jeff called Built to Last. When we have an encounter with Jesus, and that can mean different things to each of us, He becomes our new identity. And for the unbeliever, the concept of leaving their old self behind can be scary. Here's Pastor Jeff as he steps us through the rest of this message from Acts chapter 4. Why would somebody be offended by Jesus who says, love your neighbor as yourself, turn the other cheek, love and pray for your enemies, everything we value, grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, feeding the poor, embracing all people? What is it? What's the real issue, folks? Jesus cracks the thing you've built your identity on all your life. It's not simply a matter of intellect. When you meet Jesus, you got to change everything. And you realize everything you've built your life on is about to crumble, which means everything your mom and dad built their life on may have to crumble. And everything your grandparents built their life on may have to crumble. I'm actually showing a little compassion for people who refuse Jesus here, that it's not that simple as you think it is. In Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage, listen very carefully, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, look, this is part of the sermon I had to cut out. I can't go into the Greek and the etymology of courage and boldness. Let's just say it like this. These guys look at Peter and John and say, wait just a doggone second. These guys are uneducated fishermen. Who do they think they are talking about such deep and meaningful things? What are they saying? They're suggesting that this gospel is more adequate than our wisdom and our conclusions, than our cornerstone of wisdom, the sophist in the Greco-Roman world. And they're doing it with such boldness and courage as if they really know what they're talking about. And whoop, there it is. We have the reason people hate Christians, because Christians are sure. <coughs> Say, what? Stay with me. See, people know down deep inside that no matter what you've built your life on, no matter what your cornerstone is, it's not strong enough to bear the weight you're trying to put on it. It will crumble. 
If it's your intellect, you're going to meet somebody smarter someday. It's going to make you feel really stupid. If it's your money, you could lose that so fast. It can even be your religion because the problem with religion is how good is good enough? You can never really know if you're good. So when somebody comes along with something that seems solid and they're, they're saying that I am sure, you're either going to embrace it, which some people do, or you're going to hate it. Now, why would you hate it? Think about it. <laughs> A man has been healed. <laughs> A man has been healed. And it doesn't change you. Because if your will is bent, if you've got a pre-commitment to the cornerstone of your life because you're terrified things might change, man, you're terrified you might have to admit that mom and dad were wrong. You're terrified that you might have to admit that your grandparents were wrong. That's just too much for somebody to take. Now, let me keep going down this road. You're doing well, but stay with me. I know some of you say, Jeff, I like you, but why did I, don't, I don't like you that much, but... Pastor Jeff, I just wish sometimes you'd be a little bit more simple. Just, you know, one, two, three. You're at the wrong church, folks. You've got to be able to process things. I can't just give you conclusions. What fun is that? Now, stay with me. When we were in Israel, we went to the Wailing Wall. It was a very spiritual time for me because I got to pray for you. Now, I didn't pray for all of you by name, but God knows all your names. But here's what we learned. The Welling Wall is on the west, western wall. And the reason it's on the western wall because that was the closest to the Holy of Holies. Now what's amazing is that the Muslims are all welcome to pray on the Welling Wall. But there's also a mosque in the Jerusalem Temple area and Christians are not allowed in the mosque. Why? We crossed the border and went over into Jordan. And when we went to Jordan, our guide kept telling us, oh, Christians and Muslims, they're all the same here in Jordan. And yet when we got to the border, they confiscated some of our goods and told us we weren't allowed to bring Christian symbols into the country. Does that sound like to you that they're treated equally? They're all the same? No, I think after some time, we got some of those things back, but the point is still made. What's the problem? Christians utterly contradict the Muslim cornerstone. That's why, the, see, as a Christian, Christ follower, you should never be defensive and everyone should be welcome because you know for certain who you are. But of course, Islam is going to struggle with the Christian because, let's face it, it's a pretty ritualistic life. And if what the Christians is saying is true, then you don't need to do the five pillars every day. You don't need to travel to Mecca. You don't need to touch the black stone. You see what I'm going? On one side, you could say, wait a minute. I do all this religious stuff and you get in for grace? Who do you think you are? You with me? It, it cracks the cornerstone of your life. Suddenly you're thinking, wait a minute, there's another way than this? Christians come along and say, we are sure in Jesus Christ. Do you realize when you say that, that's an attack on every other religious identity? Because every other faith system is based on your performance. And you come along and say, no, it's not. What? I don't have to perform this way? I've been doing this all my life and I get no credit? You with me? You're a crack in the foundation stone. Those are fighting words. A Christian comes along and says, I got this whole thing figured out. <laughs> you think about it. 
This seems incredibly arrogant to the rest of the world. I have this whole thing figured out. I know that God loves me. I know that I know God. I know that I'm saved. And that irritates the hound out of people. Because they're working real hard to try to control it, to try to earn it. Because they know, at least they believe down deep inside, it's based on performance. Therefore, down deep inside, they know if it's based on performance, nobody can be sure. Nobody. And you have these pesky little Christians over here. They keep saying they know and they're sure. And they're not half as religious as I am. Down deep inside, every individual is terrified that we don't measure up no matter what they say. And these uneducated conservative Christians come over here and they say, we know. We've been so radically changed on the inside that we're sure. To somebody on the outside, that looks arrogant. Christians say they've been so radically humbled. (sighs) Are you with me? That there's no foundation or cornerstone other than Jesus that will suffice because all the cornerstones will break except him. I'm getting to something that's going to really, really open some eyes here if you'll stay with me. 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Can you know? Can you know? Yes. Can you know that, that, that you're going to be with God in heaven for eternity? Yes. Why? Because it's not based on you. It's based on somebody else. But that means giving up your identity. The thing you've attached yourself to that you think is going to ultimately save you. The thing that you thought gave you purpose and meaning and held your head up high and said, I'm good before God. But down deep inside, you know it's crumbling, but you don't know what to do about it. The certainty of Christians seems arrogant to the world. And ironically, it is in fact incredibly humble. Now here's why. You've done so well, we're almost done. Here's why. Because the gospel comes to the Jew, and what does it say? What does it say to the Jew? What does the Jew believe? Well, the Jew believes, as long as I have more good than bad, I'll go to heaven. And the gospel comes and says, dude, what are you doing? Because the the, the benchmark is not each other, it's God, and he's 100% pure, which means you are in deep trouble. So it says to the Jew, look, here's the deal. You're no better off than the worst criminal. I don't care if you're here and he's there. You're still in trouble. And then the gospel says, oh, Peter and John would say, but through Jesus, we can all be kings and priests no matter what we've done. And then the gospel goes to the Greek and says to the Greek, what? You think this instead of goodness would be wisdom. So they would say, okay, I got to have more wisdom than ignorance. And if I have a lot of wisdom, that proves that I'll stand out. And then, of course, the problem is if you compare yourself to God, man, you're just like a little peon compared to the wisdom of God. So then the gospel comes along and says, man, the most backward Tennessee hillbilly may not be as sophisticated as you, but you're just as lost as he is. But through Christ, we can all become wise and sure. And that offended the educated elite because they suddenly lost their superiority. They're not special anymore. You mean our degrees in philosophy doesn't put us on a higher plane? No. That offended the Jew because they lost their superiority. You mean all this law keeping? And these little punk Christians over here, they get in through grace and we've been working hard all our lives? 
the most popular cornerstone in our world today? Now listen very carefully here. Is intellectual laziness. People today are saying, well, no one can really know. It's above our pay grade. So just do the best you can, but at the end, nobody really knows. Therefore, the grace of God go I. Now, let's end. Stay with me. How could Peter and John then? Think about Peter and John, these old fishermen. Think about this book of Acts is going to show us how they stand up before the educated elite. And they do it with boldness and confidence. We're not talking about for their life. We're talking about they were willing to stand up in front of, I mean, these are uneducated fishermen. It's like somebody from East Tennessee coming to California and trying to preach. Okay? And they stand up with boldness and confidence. How could they do that? They might get asked a question they don't know the answer to. How can they be so confident? Because the gospel message is so simple. Grace. Whatever question you ask me, grace and humility. Hey, I'm going to admit something to you. I think I've told you this before. One of my favorite movies is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Man, I love that movie. You've got Delmar and Everett and Pete, this criminal trio looking for treasure. And they happen upon a crowd where baptisms are taking place. And Delmar is so excited that maybe all his sins and crimes can be forgiven. So he runs out in the water and he gets dunked in the waters of baptism. He stands up and comes out and he says to his friends, come on in boys, the water is fine. The preacher done said all my sins are forgiven. Even that piggly wiggly I liked over in Yazoo. And Everett played by... George Clooney says, I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. He says, well, I lied. And the preacher done said, that sin's been forgiven too. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. And I see Peter like that. I see somebody saying to Peter, Peter, weren't you the one who denied you even knew him? And I can see Peter saying, yep. And he said, I'm forgiven of that sin too. <laughs> it's grace and mercy and forgiveness through a cross. That's easy. But if you say that to people, it's not an intellectual issue. For them to accept Christ would mean they have to change their whole foundational parts of their lives. They got to start living a different way and basing their hope, security, and future on something that is brand new. Even though it's the best way, they know if they receive this message they will lose their past identity. They will lose their past worth and confidence. They will lose that thing that has made them feel superior and unique from this point in their life back. And hopefully through the power and the spirit of God, somehow you and I can be an instrument whereby they would recognize there's a better identity. There's a better worth and confidence. There is a foundation and a cornerstone that cannot be shaken, that can bear the weight of everything you place on it. Don't you love Peter's response to his attackers? Oh, I love this. Then they call them in again. This is Acts 4, 18 through 21. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. Do you notice Peter's 
response, how gentle and loving it is. Guys, we can't help but to speak. This is such a wonderful thing. We got to talk about it. If you have to kill us, I guess you have to kill us. But we got to talk about this. When we were on our trip to Israel, we had our last meal together as the whole team. And I stood up in the restaurant and I was reminded of something that Ravi, my friend Ravi Zacharias, told me that is such a good example of how you and I are to respond to people who reject the message. Ravi said he was in Jerusalem at the invitation of Sheikh Dalal, who was one of the founders of Hamas. Now, Sheikh Dalal, I mean, you got to understand who this guy is, responsible for thousands and thousands of deaths. And every person got to ask him one question. When it came to Ravi, Ravi asked him a question about suicide bombers. Now, I couldn't say this in Israel because we had a Muslim sitting there as our bus driver, and I wanted to be very careful what I said and what I did not say. But in this crowd, I can say the question was about suicide bombers, and Ravi did not like his answer. And Ravi told him, sir, I do not like your answer. And then he said this, and he said, Ravi said, Jeff, it was like the Spirit of God just opened my eyes in this one moment of time to speak to this leader. We were in Jerusalem. I looked at Sheikh Delaw and I said, Sheikh, not too far from where we are right now is the place where Abraham took his son Isaac. Now you say it was Ishmael, we say it's Isaac, for right now that's not important. Took his son, was gonna sacrifice him. And the angel of the Lord came and stopped the knife from coming down. And do you know what God said from heaven? And Sheikh Delaw said, yes, God will provide the lamb. And Ravi said, that's right. And on another hill not too far from here called Golgotha, he put his son on the cross and this time the knife was not stopped. And the knife came down. And Sheikh, until you and I receive the son that God has given us, we will continue to sacrifice our sons and daughters on the battlefields of this world. He said, Sheikh had a tear running down his face. And when the meeting was over, they were all walking out and Sheikh Dalal grabbed Ravi, turned him around, kissed him on both sides of his face. The leader of Hamas kissed him on both sides of his face and said, Dr. Zacharias, you are a good man. I hope we meet again someday. That is what I want people to say about me after we've had a conversation about Jesus and they've rejected him. Jeff, you're a good man. I hope to see you again someday. And the only way that's possible is if you're not defensive and you understand that you're cracking their cornerstone and honor the pace of God in their lives. You know what the real problem is, if I can be honest with you? Okay, this is going to hurt a little, and it, it's the last page, really. The real problem is you're not sure about your foundation. And so when somebody challenges you, you feel like your foundation is becoming unraveled because you still think your acceptance before God is based on your goodness. Now, inside our hearts... There is this unbelief. And if you're not increasing in love and mercy and godliness and affection, the Bible tells us that our problem is we've forgotten that Jesus has forgiven us through grace and mercy. The older I get, the more precious this is to me. 
Oh, man. You know, when you stop trying so hard, when you really get it, that you are saved, man, by the grace of God through Christ. Man, when you get it, you really get it, something special happens in you. You just take a deep breath. You start to actually enjoy coming to church. You're not trying to earn anything. You, start to, you actually start to enjoy reading the Bible. You start to enjoy praying, talking to God. Now, here's, here's the part that most people don't get. When you really get it, your desire to be righteous is greater, not less. What? Okay. Which slave obeys and serves his master to a greater degree? The one who hates his master and serves out of fear or the one who loves his master and serves out of love? The one who loves his master and serves out of love becomes more passionate, becomes more obedient because he's not doing it to try to earn favor. He's doing it because he's in love with God because he knows he can't screw it up. If you really get what Acts 4 teaches, then you have a cornerstone that can bear the weight of your sin, your failures, your identity struggles, your hopes, your fears, your self-doubt, and even your emotional roller coasters. If you really get that you're saved, listen now, you know that's why some of you don't have any joy in this whole thing called Christianity, right? Because you, you haven't gotten it yet. It's why you have a hard time doing the good because you still haven't gotten it. Your motivation is still not there. And there's only one cornerstone, only one cornerstone you can build your life on where nothing will break you. And it's because nothing depends on you. It all depends on him. Robert Lowry wrote the song, What Can Wash Away My Sins? What is it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He goes on to write, Now by this I'll overcome nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll reach my home, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This stone cannot be rejected. It holds all things together. Have I gotten through to you? It's not only the way you respond to people, but it's how you respond to God. And if you want that joy in your life, man, sooner or later, you got to take a deep breath and say, wow, the gospel really is beautiful. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with God through eternity. And it's not because I'm good. It's because he's so good. And I got something that the world doesn't have until Jesus Christ becomes the cornerstone of your life. It'll change everything. Change the way you look at your marriage. Change the way you look at your children. Change the way you look at your life. Change the way you look at your money. Change the way you look at your stuff. (laughs) And you'll be able to put everything on top of it and it will sustain and hold everything. Saved by grace. Oh, man. (laughs) So beautiful. Father, I am thankful for your love and the grace that overwhelms us. I, I thank you that we could never be good enough to earn favor, to earn salvation. I pray for my brothers and sisters at, at Wanda, at Lone Hill, San Dimas, 
I pray a very special prayer. Somehow, our eyes would be open. You have done something very special for us that changes everything. I pray that our heart would be melted right now in this place. All of our hearts would just melt with the fact that you love us so much, given us so much. And to understand that when the world hears the message of grace, they're going to struggle. But I pray you'd give us courage to speak it in love and humility to where when they have been with us, they would want to see it, see us, be with us again. I pray for every life. I pray that we would know that we have eternal life through Christ, your son. In his name, we pray. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.